Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 217 of Getting It Out Podcast. That was Control from Motivation off of the album, The Eight Infinite Steps to Power Money More. It came out February 22nd via Seeing Red Records and is an interesting record throughout. This guy uh, who goes by Zero, I think. Um, put it together and it features a lot of collaboration and a lot of members 
from bands that you and I both love, like Faith No More, Throbbing Gristle, Agnostic Front, Cro-Mags, L7, Toxic Holocaust, I Hate God, High Reaper, Andrew WK, like all sorts of uh, of interesting artists are, are part of this one. This song featured Paul Delaney of Black Anvil and Theo Kogan of Lunachicks. It's a cool listen. I think you should check it out. Again, it's out there already, so go look it up. The, the Infinite Eight Steps to Power Money More from Motivation. You might have noticed that track had a, had a lot of industrial flavor to it, and that's where we're going on this episode of the podcast, as I got an interview with James Hammond Tree all the way from Oklahoma, and we're talking about his solo project, Black Magnet, and plenty more. Check it out. Check it! Make family out of friends, make friends out of enemies! Peace to my family, make friends till they bury me. All the places we've been, we're never sitting it out! We be getting it in, where you getting it out? I said all the places we've been, we're never sitting it out! We be getting it in, where you getting it out? Hey everyone, so welcome to another episode of Getting It Out Podcast, which is now actually like a podcast that I do for my unboxing videos. If you're not following me on Instagram, that's my new thing. I open packages uh, <laughs> and it's uh, it's going well. I got to tell you, I like getting mail and that's not a lie. I love getting mail. Ever since I was a kid, I loved getting the mail. I think it started when uh, I ordered my first skateboard in the summer before seventh grade. I ordered it from CSE, California Skate Exchange, I believe it was. The logo was like a star. I think it eventually got ruined in a mudslide. Anyway, I ordered a Tom Tom Penny flip skateboard, the Magic Mushroom one, with some Venture trucks and uh, Spitfire wheels, like the classic ones, Duffy risers. I remember a lot of this stuff pretty well. I forget the hardware. I couldn't tell you that, but I bet I could if I remembered a long time. Anyway, I, I didn't know when it was going to come because that's how the mail used to work, right? I just went out to the mail every day, even though like a skateboard is not going to fit in the mailbox, stupid kid. I don't know what was wrong with me. Then. I don't know why I thought that would work, but I was just like anticipating this fucking skateboard showing up all the time. And then eventually it did. And like I tell everybody, uh, skateboarding is a gateway drug. So then shortly after that, it was it was weed and alcohol and normal things for a 12 and 13 year old boy to do, which is crazy. I don't think they do that anymore. Uh, and it's not as like, I was well, like hard into it, but that was like, you know, you hung out with your skateboarding friends and somebody smoked some pot out of some kind of tool that was supposed to be used for something else, but you like, or a can, you know, that's just the way it was. It's seventh and eighth grade. That's crazy, man. Uh, I have kids older and younger than I was then and uh, none of them better be doing any of that shit and uh, I can't imagine like I look at them their age I can't imagine that they ever would uh, but I was so who knows who knows maybe they're criminals and we don't even know about it anyway back to the mail thing I've loved getting mail when I was living in Baltimore and working third shift I used to wake up several times a day and check the mail for what I don't know just I just just, just did and uh, it got to the point where I had to take Ambien I had to go to the doctor take Ambien. Now, there, there, weed comes into it again, too. I asked my neighbor who was flying out to California to get, get marijuana. I had to ask him to bring me back some stuff that would make me sleep. And uh, he did. And uh, maybe the answer to all my mail problems is marijuana. But I don't know. I, don't, I haven't smoked marijuana in so long that I 
I worry what would happen if I did, right? I was already a lightweight. If I would smoke weed now, at 37 years old and many, many years removed, I think I'd just, I think it'd just be like, I think I'd turn into a statue. I think I'd just stay still. You know, like there's a, like a Tyrannosaurus Rex watching me. I'd just be like, I'm going to stay just like this. Nothing's going to happen. Anyway, I'm opening mail on Instagram now, and it's fun, and uh, I love getting packages, and if you want to send me a package, go ahead, reach out to me. I got my address. It's available. You can find it, but uh, you can also just ask me for it, and you can send me free stuff, and I'll open it on Instagram. Isn't that the coolest pitch ever? (laughs) Why is my mailbox not overflowing? Anyway. Uh, this episode features an awesome interview with James Hammontree of Oklahoma City's Black Magnet, an industrial metal band who released Hallucination Scene in 2020 on, on 20 Bucks Spin and is coming out with a new record, Body Prophecy, and that doesn't drop until August. Vaguely August, I believe, is what we came up with. But in the meantime, he's got some other stuff going on, a tour with Realize, and plenty to talk about. So I had James on not once... But twice to talk about it, because what you wouldn't know, unless I told you, is that I recorded a conversation with him one night, listened to it the next day, and it wasn't recorded at all. The fucking, the worst possible thing when you're doing a podcast. So he was cool enough that we did it again the very next day. And here's that conversation. But first, I want to play you a song from Body Prophecy. This one's called Violent Mechanics, and it's out everywhere right now, but you can listen to it right here, right now, and then my conversation with James.
Uh, let's start this one off with the with a real simple one, but it really does interest me. What is it like growing up and living in Oklahoma? Man, well, honestly, growing up here was a lot different than it, than it is like living here now. Um, you know, this like Oklahoma City specifically. I was actually born in Tulsa, um, but grew up pretty much in Oklahoma City. Um, the city's grown a ton just over the past. I don't know, really over the past like five years kind of a thing. Um, but growing up here, as far as musically goes, was, you know, pretty desolate, pretty desperate. Um, but there's always been kind of, you know, there's always been a, a punk and metal scene and kind of just random bands that have kind of popped out of Oklahoma every few years. Like, I mean, Flaming Lips are from here. They were like one of the bigger names probably when I was like a, you know, a teenager, that kind of thing. Yeah. All American rejects. Um, but as far as like underground music or like, yeah, like, I don't know, extreme music, not, not a ton on like a larger scale. Yeah. And the only thing that I can think of that I know for sure happens or is from Oklahoma is that there is a, there's a punk fest in Oklahoma. Um, other than that, I got nothing, um, especially music, yeah, even, yeah. anything else. Like how much, how, <laughs> all right, here's a weird one. How significant is the musical Oklahoma in Oklahoma? <laughs> you know, there's like, there's like a lot of, uh, I mean, it's pretty much done at every school and every school, like theater performance. Um, I, growing up, I probably went to go see it like three or four times. It's a pretty part, pretty big part of like the cultural landscape, like, you know, you'll go see it on like a field trip or whatever. I actually ate rattlesnake at the play Oklahoma when I was probably like ten years old. Or something that's like that's that. some real Oklahoma shit. Did you have on a yeah, bucket hat? Yeah. Uh, do what now? Did you have on a cowboy hat when you did it? Oh, prop sure I did. That was also an Oklahoma thing. I said it was do what now. I haven't heard that in any other places. <laughs> Everyone makes fun of me for saying that one too. Um, but yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there's always been. Um, you know, punk and hardcore metal, like, you know, since the 80s, there was a band called the NOTA, None of the Above, and they were a, a pretty high-profile punk band. Um, I mean, I think they played in, like, Sex Pistols and stuff. Then in the 90s, there's an awesome uh, kind of DB hardcore band called Brother Inferior that kind of did a whole lot of stuff, a whole lot of touring. I think they were, like, an early profane existence band. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But yeah, not a not a not a lot, you know, not compared to even a place like you know Dallas or Austin, of course. Yeah. Well, what was your introduction then? How did you discover underground music of any of any form? So, hmm, my my cousin's best friend was like he was the one that was probably he was kind of into street punk and got pop punk, street punk. And just kind of like exposed me to a lot of that stuff. Um, yeah, my yeah, my cousin's best friend is they were neighbors, so he would always kind of come over, and you know we'd be listening to like I don't know like something on the radio, and he'd show us like Metallica, and it was like or we'd listen to like you know new Metallica, and he showed us he would show us old Metallica, yeah. or like you know we would hear like a Pantera song, and he'd have the Pantera CD, so we'd listen to the whole Pantera CD. And then he would be like, you know, if there's like a random punk song on the radio, he'd be like, well, you should check out, you know, if you like, if you, if you like anti-flag and AFI, you should check out like the casualties or unseen or like, 
kind of you know random street punk stuff like that so he he was probably the first person to show me like second tier you know kind of next level stuff um and from then there was yeah let me think i had been about seventh grade and eighth grade there was a kid that was a foreign exchange student that showed up with a mohawk at my school <laughs> and i think he was i think he was from france or jerry was from germany and um so he kind of showed me a whole bunch of stuff and he was only there for like six months or something, but I would, you know, I would kind of make friends that would play guitar. So I kind of was getting like a good grasp on street punk, I would say, and like forcing anyone who played guitar or drums to like play street punk, even though they didn't like know what it was or like it at all. So well, for, for people uh, who might not know, what, what what is a band that you would consider street punk? Because I've heard street punk used in two different ways and they're not very right. far they're not very far off from each other but what do you consider to be street punk like what would be a prime I mean, example of a band like casualties okay yeah. <laughs> you know, like that kind of street punk you know i mean like i mean i guess agnostic front would be kind of like the crossover from something that kind of became or had a street punk fan base but was hardcore but yeah. from there there, I was able to get into stuff like Minor Threat and Agnostic Front. And, yeah, and you know, those the those Agnostic Front things you're talking about, though, the, the, those are like those Epitaph albums, right? Yeah, those, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I heard those before I even heard like Victim of Pain or anything like that. So did I. Uh, yeah, which, so did I. which is kind of funny, but you know, it led me to that stuff. Um, yeah, and then there, then there was a really, really good record store here that um, kind of popped up called Size Records, and that that kind of took me even further because the guys that ran that store were like really, really into like being, you know, being involved with what people were buying and just like recommending stuff. And, you know, I mean, I, and they were just really friendly guys. So I would just pick their brain pretty much nonstop. And I ended up working there later when I was a teenager. So did you say it was called size records? Yeah, it's called size Records. So for, so you can, you can, um, contest you can tell everybody that from early on in your life size has mattered yeah exactly and that was their logo too. oh was it wow nice yeah it was like, it was like a it's guy an easy, like it's an easy one right it's right right it was like a guy like kind of creeping over like a record rack and pulling out a bunch of records saying size matters or size matters whatever <laughs> well that's that's pretty cool the, the the idea that you get to work in a record store as a kid is like it was like all I ever wanted. I never did it for some reason. All I had was local. All I had was chain. I should say. All I knew of. Oh, okay. All I knew of was chain stores. I didn't know. I there were legit record stores in my area, but I only knew of the chain ones until right. until I was old enough to know better. Um, I but that must have been really I was, cool. I was going to like CD warehouse and like I don't know. You know, I would like I would see something with like a crazy cover and just buy it sometimes if i could have like my allowance if i could get away with it or whatever like i think i bought like a booty glow skull cd because i just thought it was because that looked like dragon ball z but like more violent <laughs> or something you know like yeah. that kind of thing well, that's cool that's that's the way i i found and bought a lot of music too was just by the covers and the thanks list covers and the thanks list and uh record label too oh yeah. going by they, going by the record label thank you list was huge on certain stuff and i honestly found like a lot of cool artists that way too you know like you would i would dig through the thank you list like early days of the internet like 
Google Frank Kozik or whatever and figure out who Frank Kozik was, you know, just like from an Offspring album or whatever. Right. Well, so you got into music pretty early on, but when did you start playing? Honestly, probably when I was like 13, like doing street punk stuff. Um, like I said, I was just like, I'm trying to think. I think I like, you know, when I was like 11, I was like forced to play in like the church band for two weeks. And then like, you know, that ended quickly. And um, did you, come, yeah, up, did you was, come up in a religious household? Is that how that happened? Yeah, I did. Um, I was pretty much like forced to go to church until I was like, 12 or 13 and then you know i mean my parents are religious but i think they could see how much it was like how much it pained me and so they kind of like (laughs) let up on it you know as as long as i like made decent grades and like wasn't fucking everything up they they didn't harp on it super hard um but yeah like i get like i said i started making like anyone who played guitar with me or wanted to jam i would like try and force them to play like street punk or punk or whatever um But I guess after that, I started taking, probably when I was like 16 is when I started taking music like real, real seriously. Um, I played in kind of like a, I don't know, I I guess some people now would call it like screamo, scrams or whatever, but kind of like a City of Caterpillar, emotive, hardcore, reversal of man band. You had had little shirts is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Little t-shirt band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... That was kind of my first, like, serious band. We, like, did some touring and stuff. Um, actually, two of the guys from that band went on to be in a band called Destroyer Destroyer, which was kind of a popular, um, like, you know, white belt grind, lamb goat <laughs> sort of band. Yeah. Um, and, and the singer of that band was my roommate my best friend for, like, six years. Uh, he unfortunately passed away about five years ago. But he, we were in the band someplace to hide together. And he's the one, he's, he's kind of, I guess I would say, the second dude that really started showing me, like, extreme metal, like Napalm Death, um, just every single type of crazy grindcore. And, and he and he was kind of, you know, he was in, like, the white belt grind scene sort of thing, but he was still really connected with, like, the punk side of things. Um, so, yeah, he was showing me, like, Brutal Truth, you know, um, Cathedral, um pretty much everything that you know was on earache at the at the time or, or had been on earache the past 20 years yeah yeah that's that's uh there's there's a brutal local brutal brutal truth rumor around here that one of the guy one of the ups guys was that gorilla or whatever on the one cover you know what i'm talking oh, about that's yeah yeah <laughs> is that oh oh yeah it's the one where he's screaming yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's a that's the, I, the, the local lore I never, I never listened to that. I didn't listen to much past, um, what is it, Extreme Consequences or Extreme, I forget, Call for Extreme Consequences, whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah, so I was playing in that kind of like, you know, screamo band, and then once I kind of really got to the root of playing like hardcore, hardcore punk, that kind of thing, um, I'd obviously been going to shows, like making friends, that kind of a thing, so... I, I started a band with another another guy my age called I Resign, and that was like just a really straightforward, minor threat um, kind of youth of today, you know, just everything 80s hardcore that we liked. Um, and then me and a couple of the guys from that band did a power violence band called No Man's Slave. Um, 
and that was just like you know your your typical infest crossed out stuff but that was that was also around the time stuff like cult ritual was coming out and some of like the more like weird you know japanese influence hardcore so i would say that yeah that was probably around like late teens early 20s and yeah that's that's about the time i started getting like real real serious and like touring more and playing out that sort of thing well those all the bands you mentioned being into and playing in were all like like you mentioned fast and and hardcore and punk and power violence and that's not exactly what you're doing these days with black magnus so when did when and why did you veer off into the direction of black magnet because for those who don't know black magnet is an industrial uh, industrial metal band i'll i'll put i'll call it that you can call it what it really is but that's what i'll call it um yeah how did you end up there um man you know it was when i was getting into all of that stuff um like all the punk and hardcore stuff i was always i was always like searching for like what could be like even more not even more extreme but like more like abstract or weird or just like different i guess what i what i kind of started discovering is like you know when you're playing music you figure out like what you're good at and like what you suck at and i just figured out that i was a lot of my friends could play faster than me. They could play higher than me. They were more talented. They were more practiced. But I figured out I could make, like, weirder shit than them, like, a lot easier than they could. And so I would kind of use that to my ability. And I think it kind of started getting into just more, like, weirder and abstract bands. Um, I say abstract, whatever. You know, like, for a teenager listening to Minor Threat, it was abstract at the time. But <laughs> getting into stuff, getting into noise rock and getting into everything from, like, you know, Big Black to Jesus Lizard to stuff like Skinny Puppy and, and get, just getting into goth in general and like understanding like the dark, darker, deeper side of goth and then getting into ministry, of course, and then seeing like, oh, you can mix all, you can mix fucking noise rock with goth, with a drum machine, with like, you know, 80s power metal, with butt rock, with, you know, and, um, <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, Ministry so, Ministry was probably a really big game changer that kind of, like, showed me that, like, oh, there's more there's more than Nine Inch Nails to this, you know? Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Some, some of the stuff was accessible in the 90s, so, but barely. For like, sure. not, not barely. I mean, I mean, Nine Inch Nails and even Ministry at one point was was out there, and that was that was available to everybody, and a lot of people got into it, yeah. obviously, but... But most of the stuff that you're talking about, the more the goth stuff in the in the uh, the noise rock. Noise rock is such an acquired taste, I think, and I love it now. I didn't always love it. I remember the, right. the, the scrape video from Unsane. The music didn't make sense, even though it was the coolest music video. Uh, you know, the, the scrape the skate video. Yeah, where it's just people, you know, bails. Just, just people. Bailing. Yeah, yeah, yeah the bail video. That's a sick fucking video. Right, but that uh, but, I love but the music too. was the music was tough to listen to it then. Right now, I, I love it, I, but I, but it, you know it, it takes some time to get into some stuff like that. That's why I feel like most people who are making, um, I guess you could say it's for any genre, but specifically most people into industrial or noise rock stuff, they got to it through something else. You don't start there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, like for me, it was it was one of those things like, you know, get like when I was at that point getting into underground music, I feel like I would like 
you know, come across something that was like, yeah, more extreme, like something like Unsane or like Big Black or like Skinny Puppy. And I would just be like, okay, this is the craziest, artiest, weirdest out there thing. And I'm going to like one up my friends by like making this my favorite band right now. <laughs> you know, or like I'm gonna like out, I'm gonna like out extreme or out weird all my friends and like I'm gonna buy a fucking birthday party T-shirt and I'm only gonna listen to Godflesh when they come to parties at my house or whatever. And you know, all my friends are like, this shit fucking sucks, dude. And you know, I mean, I, I liked it, but I also like didn't want to admit that maybe. I wasn't mature enough for the taste I was pretending to have, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm glad for it. I kind of always knew that there was something there. And, like, the, you know, the guys at the record store would really press certain bands that didn't make sense to me. But I'd get the album and just, like, wear it out. And, you know, it was like, I mean, you could kind of download music then. I had, like, Napster and shit, but... You know, I, I, I bought, like, I think I bought Goat by... G no, I bought a Scratch Acid record. And I, like didn't really fucking like it at first but you know i spent like 18 15 bucks on it or something at like age 15 so i'm gonna fucking listen to it and <laughs> that's, then it, that's it, it right that's a big started, deal yeah yeah it just it started making sense you know and like and especially the more that like my playing was getting out of power chords necessarily and that kind of a thing so yeah i would say like it, honestly like even before i got into like a lot of industrial i would say like a lot of the noise rock stuff led me to industrial stuff Big Black was a really, really big band for me because it kind of showed me kind of the crossover there from like punk noise rock to like you can use, you know, you can use a drum machine in this kind of a band. And once I kind of got my ears adjusted to enjoying a drum machine, it, I, that really was like, you know, like how much aggressive shit can I find that has electronics in it? Of course, I grew up with Nine Inch Nails and I love that. And I still love it. I mean, they're like one of my favorite bands, but you know, like, it was kind of like, what else can I find that just has like wacky instruments in in it that aren't usually used in that genre of music? So, mm -hmm. and that definitely led into Godflesh too, like, and just kind of getting your ears used to something different and kind of just growing to like it. Well, that's good for you that you could even tell that there was a drum machine because I probably didn't even know drum machines existed until <laughs> I was thirty. You know, like I, right. I'm just <laughs> easily duped and. Uh, and especially when it comes to music, I feel like I can't pick apart music like that to yeah. tell the difference. Um, but I had a I had a coworker say, "Who plays drums in Black Magnet?" Man, the drummer's. <laughs> I was like, I was like, like "Well, I do." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Technically, you do. Um, right. Well, there's a. I don't know. It's it's got to take some skill, right, to learn how to program a drum machine. When did when did you? And from what you talked about before, you've played. You've done. You're obviously you're doing vocals. You're doing a lot of stuff with Black Magnet. You did. Right. Uh, I don't know what you said your initial instrument was: uh, guitar, or bass, it, one of the others. It really was bass, but I but I took on guitar pretty like around like sixteen, seventeen, pretty as my kind of main instrument, I guess. Did you Did you realize early on that you had a what I'm going to call proficiency for musicality, for writing music, for understanding how to make music at least? I mean. Kind of, um, you know, I mean, I had always been like a, you know, one of the main writers in some of my hardcore bands. Um, maybe not, I mean, it just would kind of depend on the band, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah, it, I mean, it, it really like, like really when I started playing with the drum machine is like, 
is when I feel like I could start to really, really kind of get a handle of writing on my own. And not even because I wanted to write like industrial or anything. It was just like a good way to like demo my ideas or even just with like a click track, like a, a metronome or whatever. Um, but once I figured out how to like program a beat, I had like this, well, I had this awesome like old Korg, I think it's called a DDD one um, drum machine. And I would, I would just like make like a stupid, like, DB or like a pogo punk beat and kind of write hardcore on top of it. <laughs> and, uh, and then I kind of like, once I was getting into stuff like big black, I was like, Oh, this is, this, I, I can see the connection here. And um, yeah. So I started, I started a band. My first kind of industrial experiment was I started a band called shattered fixtures. That was pretty much a big black rip off. It was, it was uh, the same drum beat on e almost every song at different tempos with that drum machine. Um, and then once I, once I got like a laptop that would work well enough, I got logic and started just like figuring out how like the grid and logic worked. And then I started figuring out how to like use a MIDI controller with like built in soft synth. And I mean, really I, I probably messed with that stuff pretty hardcore for five plus years before I even started black magnet. So there's a huge learning curve of just that, of just audio engineering. What was the catalyst or the the point where you actually did start Black Magnet? Why did you finally do it? Um, let's see. I had done, I think, I mean, you know, like I, like I said, I've been getting into just like weirder industrial stuff and I just couldn't find anyone to play with. So I started doing it by myself. Um, you know, people, it, it was one of those things, just like with any other band, like, oh, yeah, I'll be in your band, and, like, no one shows up, or <laughs> two people show up, or whatever. It goes really good for, like, six months, and everyone ships out, whatever. And so, you know, I, I, I started asking people, like, I really want to do, you know, stuff like Skinny Puppy, stuff like Ministry, like Nine Inch Nails, but I want to make it more guitar-heavy, like Godflesh and, like, Pit Shifter. And people, you know, people are like, oh, I like a couple songs from those bands, like, and I'd be like, no, I actually want to make it sound like Nice Nails. They'd be like, no. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, you, you know what I was going to say? I feel like I that's that's the type of music a lot of people that. say they like, but don't actually like. Right, right, right. Well, it, because it's just kind of like, it's a way to be like, oh, I like, I like some stuff on the radio, and <laughs> I don't know, you know? Um, but like, you know, industrial is one of the things you kind of have to take the bad, the good with the bad, and there's a, fuckload of bad yes a lot of, um, lot of and, leather yeah exactly and that's coming from me who listens to let's i mean listen and write this stuff um but yeah yeah so really it was just like i really wanted to explore that side of music and it was even more so than like trying to make that band it was more about like that was the genre i could do by myself once i started figuring out how to use a computer how to use a drum machine how to use synthesizers how to get that shit on the grid, how to demo it myself. Um, and I was kind of doing like more of like a new wave project at the time. Um, kind of had more like a new order Depeche mode sort of kind of cold cave ish vibe. And once I kind of started writing more mi minor key songs, they just start started getting heavier. And then I think one day I just like got like a really gnarly guitar amp simulator and just put a fuck ton of distortion on one of the songs. I was like, Oh, <laughs> now this sounds like pretty hate machine. Like now this is what everything's going to sound like. 
um, that I was writing. So I actually had, uh, there's a couple of songs on the first album that um, were from that kind of early iteration of the project. But yeah, just really out of necessity and wanted to do it by myself. And then once I did it by myself, I had some friends be like, hey man, like I'll play live guitar for you. You know, I was like, well, you should have said that two years ago. Yeah, you <laughs> fucking bandwagon asshole. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then once that shit started getting like a little popular, people are like, I like Godflesh too now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. And, and uh, just a, a funny way to relate that story is I have, a, I have a thing that I've been working on for years and I've asked people to, it's, it's it's a website, right, that goes along with all this. And I've asked people to like, oh. you know, be a contributor and they're always like, Well maybe once I see what your uh what it's like <laughs> I then I it. yeah. no nope, you're out. You're <laughs> you just disqualified right, yourself. Right. You're out. <laughs> you know? I mean you know it's one of those things like in a way I you know, I understand. Oh totally, like, but I'm but, also a dick. <laughs> yeah, same I mean same and it's also like you know, I mean it was one thing if I would have tried to do this when we were like 18 or 19 with like no audio engineering or technical like background but it's like you know I've been I've been I've also been like a sound guy on and off for the past Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ten years and I've like recorded every local hardcore band demo and that kind of a thing. Um not everyone, but a few of them, whatever. But uh, it's the Lord's work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I just feel like, okay, I'm competent at this shit now. Like, you know, but now, now, um, I, I mean, I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly glad a lot of the people who, you know, maybe wanted to be in it or kind of fair weather about it aren't because I have two guys in the band now. I wouldn't have met with without that, you know, without doing it by myself. So pretty cool. Yeah, no, that is a good product of that. But well, let's let's talk about your first record, Hallucination Scene, which came out in 2020, but it was like September of 2020. So I can't right. imagine you got to support or tour or do much in support of that record. And how did that how did that go over? Being that it was released yeah. at a time when music was kind of I don't know shot in the foot. So I had, I had like a, you know, yeah, the album came out in September 2020. It was actually recorded in uh, April or I think April of 2019. Um, Damn. Which I mean, yeah, I know. Which really is kind of, I actually wasn't even signed to 20 bucks at the time. We'll get to that later. But yeah, so I had a three week, that album came out um, September 2020. I had to cancel like a three and a half week full U.S. tour in support of that. Um, 
everything, you know, got fucked after that pretty much. But, um, yeah, I, I, that album actually got released the same, the, around the same time that I was recording Body Prophecy, which is about to come out this coming August. So two years after I recorded it, yeah. <laughs> That's insane. Which is just what what happened over the pandemic. You know, in a way, it's cool because I got to immediately start writing another record, like right when I got home, pretty much. Um, So that's cool. And since that record is recorded in, you know, September or August of 2020, um, I've written about 14 new songs that will probably get recorded the same month as Body Prophecy comes out. yeah, sorry, that's a lot of info. No, that's good though, because it, it just keeps just keeps going. You're on a cycle. Yeah, uh, yeah. record releases be damned. Um, but you mentioned in there yeah, that yeah. that you're uh, that you're on Twenty Bucks Spin Records, which, as I think everybody knows who's aware of Twenty Bucks Spin Records, they're predominantly known for being like this cutting edge death metal label. And Absolutely, I yeah. I gotta say for sure that Black Magnet got on my. It, it was either. A feature in Decibel, which I think you had one of those upfront profiles yeah, in there. Yeah, it was either it was either yeah. that or your affiliation with with uh, Twenty Bucks Spin that got you on my radar. But cool. I was surprised about what it was. What's it like being, or how did how does a industrial band end up on a death metal label like Twenty Bucks Spin? Man, it's it's awesome. Um, Dave, the guy that runs the label, is really a he's awesome dude, super great. Um, but, uh, you know, he does put out, like, a lot of death metal and stuff like that, but his, his musical tastes are all over the place. Um, and, uh, I mean, he's, like, he, I think he was always really, really wanting to do an industrial record. Um, I don't know, he's never really told me that, but just from knowing that he's been into that kind of stuff forever and a big fan of that stuff, I think you that can, was probably... You can feel it in his aura. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of, you know, just like his enthusiasm for doing something different, I think, was um, was kind of what brought that along. But, um, yeah, I, I recorded Hallucination Scene. Um, but I had, I had a demo come out about a year before, in like 20, late 2018. I kind of sent that out. Um, didn't really get any firm bites. Um, just got in touch uh, with Stanford Parker, who recorded Hallucination Scene. And, um, yeah, booked some dates with them, booked four days with them, and went and recorded that, like, out of pocket. Saved a bunch of money, worked at my friend's bar, mowed a bunch of extra lawns, and just, like, ate ramen for a couple months and saved some money, um, went and recorded that myself. And then I kind of, he was kind enough to just kind of go ahead and mix the record and kind of give me a little bit of credit um, on it to send out to labels and I sent it out to probably fucking 200 labels and oh, yeah Dave, Dave was one of the ones that replied and yeah I mean, I mean he was like and it was funny because I was sending him to like I mean I was sending him to like everything from like Roadrunner to Relapse to like local labels and fucking you know Chicago just small small to big like all over the place and yeah Dave was Dave was one of the ones that hit, hit me back and was, seemed really enthusiastic about it and just had a lot of questions and, you know, kind of was curious about the project. And yeah, I think once he figured out it was going to be like a serious thing, he, he was on board. Well, that's awesome. And you know what? I should, I should walk back my comments a little bit about 20 bucks spin being predominantly a death metal label because a lot I mean, of, I think they are. 
charm. You yeah, know? but I, but I think that might be, be a bad perception though, because like two of my favorite bands, Paul Bear and Chemist, are you know oh, yeah. come come from Twenty Bucks Spin, and they are neither. Right. They are definitely not death metal. Uh, other stuff well, like yeah. Magic Circle or Foreseen, yeah. like just yeah. ripping like thrash metal. You know, damn near hardcore. Yeah. Um, so like, there's so much stuff that's been on that's been on Twenty Bucks Spin, but still. Right. Black Magnus still seems like the black sheep on the label, and I I think that's a cool thing. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, you know, it, it's one of those things. Like, it, it, I think something like Black Magnus is going to stick out on anything that's not a straight up industrial or goth or whatever label, you know, like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm really, really glad that I'm not that I kind of had my debut on something that wasn't, you know a label that you would expect the same type of genre from, you know, so, um, and honestly we get, we get billed with more metal bands and I think viewed as a metal band more than we do a goth or even really industrial band by like the, you know, the main thought of the genre. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing and you fit that bill as well. I mean, I would say it's, it's easy to call you a metal band and, uh, I don't see anything wrong with that. No, not at all. <laughs> you're, you're clearly a heavy band, right? And uh, yeah, especially yeah. Uh, for this new album, Body Prophecy, I think I think it sounds to me more aggressive. Definitely sounds like you know more of what you're doing. What oh. what, what would you say is the big difference between Body Prophecy and Hallucination Scene? I mean, pretty much exactly that. Um, I feel like... Yeah, I feel like a lot of the stuff on the hallucination scene was just kind of getting my, kind of getting my feet wet and kind of figuring out like what, what all I could do and what all I couldn't do. Like that album is kind of, I mean, I love it, but I feel like it's kind of just like a demo of what I could, like the different areas I could explore versus kind of putting all of my influences in every single song. It's kind of like a, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It kind of like one song will sound kind of like this element of things I like, and then this other song will sound like this element of other stuff I like. And I feel like on Body Prophecy, all of that stuff is kind of put in every single song with much more of like a vision too. And I just honestly put a lot more focus, time, and intention, not just into the music, but into the lyrics, and really tried to kind of have them feed back and forth and kind of have a reason for doing what I was doing, not just to write a song, but to like, okay, if I have this idea or this emotion or this vibe or intention for a song, I'm going to see that through with the guitar riff, with the lyrics, with the drum machine beat, with either the max, you know, either minimal space or maximalist version of it. And even, even if it wouldn't make a lot of sense, I would kind of like assign identities to every song and, kind of ask and call for what they were, you know, ask for what they were calling for, um, which is kind of maybe a silly answer, but it helped me focus on making just, I feel like a way more focused and realized product. No, that's a great answer. And, and I think it's a great answer because I'd imagine writing your own music and being the, a solo artist, there's, uh, it's hard to also do quality control. It's hard to also, right. you know, to, to to allow yourself to call a song done, but also, right. but also know when it needs more. 
And is yeah. do you have a do you have a process or do you have maybe people that you yeah, yeah. include in this when you're when you're writing your music to help you out with this type of stuff? It's kind of funny because like you know every once in a while like I'll write a song and it'll take me you know like like forty minutes to write the song when like you know the stars align the vibe is right the intention is there I'm focused I'm in the zone. Sometimes it can just come out and I can write it and it doesn't take as much tinkering with. That's how they wrote Paranoid. Right. right. (laughs) (laughs) And and the song's fucking done, right? But then there's other songs that like I'll work on for like nine months and I don't, and they don't even wind up on the fucking album because I can't finish it, you know? So I feel like every song is just different. Um, But yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I like punish every single person in my life with like, 18 versions of every song's demo and <laughs> I just annoy the shit out of everyone with, with it. I mean, not everyone, but like, has anybody you know, told you they've had enough? For, I mean, or, or they just don't reply. That's really <laughs> it. Or send it to me when there's lyrics on it. Send it to me when, there, when there's vocals on it. Like, or is this fixed? <laughs> you know, that's my favorite one. <laughs> like, no, I just did it. Um, no, no, I actually have like a really kind of good uh, group of friends um, just kind of in music that uh, I I can bounce stuff off of. And honestly, like I, I try to not like I kind of try and save my save my um, more finished versions of stuff to show to people that, you know, how I come from like a musical background. I honestly feel like I can get a lot of good feedback just from like a coworker or like showing a song to my dad or something. Cause he can, he'll just be like, Oh, that song's good. And that song sucks by listening to like 40 seconds of it. And whether he's wrong or right, that's kind of a good, you know, roadmap sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and sometimes when you're in too thick, you know, you need, well, what's the saying? Uh, you see the, whatever, what's the fuck is saying? You, you probably got one of these down in Oklahoma where you can't see the, the forest despite the trees or something like that. Yeah, I think that's it, man. I should know one. Um, There's got to be some Oklahoma wow. version of that. Yeah, oh, but for sure. Can't um, see the stalks now, when, you're in the, when you're in the rows. I don't know. Or can't see the something from the trees. I think it's a Marilyn Manson lyric. Um, Is it? Yeah. <laughs> can't smell your own shit on your knees. Can't smell your own shit on your knees. That's what he said. That's close. Not that I want to be, not want to be quoting that guy all the time, but... Um, <laughs> But yeah, so so about for the past like year and a half, um, actually, uh, right when Body Prophecy was recorded, I started jamming um, with two new guys that are who are in the band now. So obviously, they're like the people I bounce the songs off the most uh, right. for sure. And now we're just now starting to like co-write songs together, which I'm really fucking excited about. Um, but yeah, so after them, you know, it's just kind of like other musical friends, but. Yeah, quality control is definitely something. I think that's probably the biggest difference between hallucination scene and body prophecy. Is I knew what I was doing more, and I just really scrutinized what I was doing a whole lot more from like a songwriting aspect, and not so much just like a sonic industrial palette. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's coming. It's not. It doesn't come out until what August? Roughly August? August. Vaguely August? Yeah. August. Do we know when in August? Just August? Uh, but I don't. I better not say anything. I don't know. I feel like it was like the eighth, but with like the record pressing shit, you know. Dave likes David Twenty likes to have his hands on the actual record before he puts a pre order up. 
So, yes, that's uh, that's a very good very good yeah. method. So I think he'll I think we'll know once it arrives. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it comes out next Friday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So, I mean, I think I think we're dropping. I mean, we, we dropped this single for Violent Mechanics to kind of help with the tour we did in December. But I mean, that song's on the album, but it wasn't really like the first official. I guess it was the first official single. But we're doing the next single, I think, in June, which would is typically about you know six to eight weeks out from when that record will be released. So um yeah we'll do a single and a music video um for a song called floating and nothing will be the first one um or the next one released for that awesome well you, you're you're going to go on tour in just a couple of days right with with realize from arizona how do you how do you know those guys because i've had kyle kennedy on here a little while back and i really like what realize is doing on the record that came out on relapse but what's the connection between you and realize man i you know it was funny because whenever our first album came out, um, uh, our album started getting reviewed kind of at the same time. I think they had a really close release date. Um, but I feel like we were two of like the only kind of guitar heavy industrial bands that I, that I really knew of like modern wise, you know, that Mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, something like ministry of God's pleasure. I'm sure there's others that I'm I'm missing. I'd, I'd have to think more, but, um, at least like kind of on the same tier as far as, you know, they're like a relapse band. We're on 20 bucks band and a record kind of came out at the same time. So we were getting reviewed at the same time a lot. And I had heard that band's first album and obviously liked it. Um, so really I just started, we just started kind of like, I think talking on the internet and um, yeah, I just kind of sent them a message um, and asked our booking agent at the time, like, Hey, you want to do this? This would be a cool idea and hit them up and they were totally into it so that's kind of how it kind of how it went down did you guys use any emojis um i don't know if we have yet that's like Uh, because it gets serious when emojis come out i know right i probably have i feel like they're they're that's how you know you're comfortable yeah i I haven't even met them yet i feel like i feel like i'm a lot sillier well that's a little early for emojis (laughs) right right (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they, they were in a band called Sex Prisoner, right? So they can, uh, they, yeah, they might be yeah, down. right. <laughs> they might be up for emojis. You that, never know. Just throw it out there. That was they're kind of like a power violence band, right? Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were, they were yeah, pretty sick. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, well, it's, I, it, yeah, it's interesting that another and two, you know, both of your bands, you know, went from playing stuff that was really fast and abrasive to just playing stuff that's still fast and abrasive. Not that the industrial is not fast right. and abrasive, but it's a different sound for sure. Um, but with with as you came into the industrial scene, ha, what has that transition been like to into getting into that world that that genre of underground music because i'm aware of it right i listen to some of it but i'm not in it and i'm just right, curious about right. like the gatekeeping what's the is it is it are people welcoming of new bands are they more standoffish what's the what's the vibe with industrial you know i, I don't really know i mean there's you know there's not industrial in oklahoma or, or really even in like i mean there's a couple bands in dallas you can maybe call industrial I'm sure there are I just don't really know. Um, but like, I mean, for the most part, it, it, I feel like we go over pretty well. Even being like really, really guitar heavy, people have kind of commented like, 
oh, you're you're industrial, but you, you're like, you know, you you have a lot of guitars. Like it's kind of like a scary, forbidden thing, almost, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I mean, for the most part, it's a fucking awesome scene. I mean, I feel like a lot of the people who are who are just who are into industrial, that's like, or just industrial dark wave goth, dark electronic, whatever you want to call it. You know, that's that's really kind of like their main thing. And I feel like that, and there's like a big tradition for it, of course, you know. Um, and so I feel like, you know, when it's, when we've done like a dark wave night or like a goth night, wherever, and it's like popped off, it's fucking awesome because it's like the, it's like the one time a month people get to do their thing, dress up, come dance, you know, and are generally really accepting of just like, oh, this is like a new thing. That's like a real thing. It's not just like, a DJ who will like play a couple riffs on guitar and, but it's not really an industrial band, but it's kind of a DJ open mic karaoke thing, <laughs> you know, like there's a lot of yeah. that stuff I feel like <laughs> in that world. Um, so yeah, I mean, anytime we've done, and we've, and we've played those kind of shows where it's just like, Oh, we're playing goth night at the so-and-so bar and just fucking crushed it. And people love it, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't know. As far as like a, a consistent scene, I feel like that, that genre has kind of infiltrated just a lot of indie rock in general. I mean, like bands like Soft Moon, who are like a Sacred Bones Capture Tracks band, um, you know, they're a pretty, I mean, in my opinion, they're, I mean, they have a lot of catchy kind of new wave elements, but I mean, live, that shit is fucking intense and definitely an industrial, if not industrial, very influenced band, in my opinion. Um, but even stuff like Boy Harsher, which is, you know, probably considered more new wave, dark wave, definitely has industrial elements to it. So I feel like it's just kind of, it's more peppered in, you know, and can kind of fit into more genres versus being its own thing specifically. But I think there's both, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. And it's, I'm always that, interested... That I'm always interested in the the way, like I I know how the hardcore scene works, right? I know what that's like, or at least right. I used to. I don't. I, I I think even now I'd be totally out of touch. I think I know, but I'm so out of touch now that I I really don't. But like I I know how, I know how certain you know scenes work and how it can take uh, a while for bands to gain what we would call quote unquote legitimacy among right, the regulars right. right so i didn't know if there was any of that in industrial i'm sure it's there but, but it sounds I, like it's I, I, I think that there is and maybe i just don't know about it because we were able to good get for you good i mean like a good a good foot under us like being on 20 bucks spin and like a lot of you know like i was saying like industrial kind of infiltrating just metal in general for the past 20 years it's kind of like a oh like i know what this i know what this sounds like you know it's not right. so weird but, um, yeah, for the most part, like, doing the goth industrial scene, and it's kind of funny because, you know, we'll play, like, smaller DIY shows or metal shows here, but then we'll, you know, it, I feel like it was only up until, like, six months ago, um, or, well, I guess a little, I guess, yeah, it may, it was, maybe it was post-pandemic that, like, the kind of local dark wave goth scene in Oklahoma started being like, oh, you guys are from here and you guys do this and it's kind of what I like, you know, and because a lot of those people I feel like aren't up to, not, I don't want to say up to date, but just don't keep up with a bunch of different genres, like I said. Yeah. They're immersed. Wrong, no, they're, they're in that thing. <laughs> yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, right. I, I got to say, probably personal um, experience, when I was like 
balls deep into hardcore. I didn't know what was happening in the rest of the world. You know, like that's right. all I cared about. I, 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 it. Yeah. yeah, like that was that was it. Um, all right, well, so this record, uh, Body Prophecy, comes out in, in August on twenty bucks spin. Uh, what's what do you look most looking forward to about the release of this record, your sophomore record? Maybe getting to play an album release show. I <laughs> <laughs> didn't get to happen with the first one. No, um, honestly, really, uh, you know, um, I think the album's way, way better, of course, but just getting to tour on it a lot is what I'm hoping to do. So, and planning to do. Um, and really, you know, like, like I said, Hallucination Scene was recorded in April 2019. Most of those songs were written in, in late 2018. So, the public hasn't heard a song I've written in what'll be fucking four and a half, five years, you know, four and a half years. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm ready for people to hear songs I wrote two and a half years ago, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Uh, but, uh, but live, uh, we'll be playing like a a fuckload of new songs along with body prophecy and a couple of hallucination scene. But yeah, really just like having two albums under our feet and being able to tour on like a good amount of up to date, kind of more up to date material, um, and like the artwork on it, I'm really fucking excited about. Um, I'm excited about. We did the vinyl mechanics video. I liked it, but the video we're doing for Floating and Nothing is going to be really, really fucking awesome. We're kind of in mid production of that. Um, yeah, is, really is, doing a on it. Is the artwork that I've seen on on yes. the link you sent me the artwork for the album? That is. That is. Yeah. What it's, is it's going by, on there? Right, right. It was it's a fucking awesome. It's it done by an artist named Jesse Draxler. Um, he lives in LA, um, so he is he runs part of a label called uh, Federal Prisoner with Greg Pichado from Dillinger Escape Plan. Oh, okay. Um, also has a fucking awesome solo um, career going right now. If you haven't checked his solo records out, I really, really recommend it. Is that the is that the Black uh, Queen or the or is these his, his no, the ones that are named after Black him? Queen. The ones that are named after him is what I was referring to. I love Black Queen, too. But, yeah, the one thing, the, the album he did last year, I think it's called Child Soldier, Child of God, something like, yeah, Child Soldier. Um, it's really, really fucking awesome. And, yeah, it was one of my favorite records last year. Um, but, yeah, Jesse is fucking awesome. He's done artwork for, like, everything from, like, Ghost Mane to fucking um, Vows, I think, to, like, Daughters, um, Black Queen. Uh, he did, I think he did, just like came up with the Black Queen logo, like the triangle thing. Yeah. Um, I think he did that. He, yeah, you should really check out his work, though. Um, he, he did the new uh, horror album uh, that just came out called Skin. Uh, he's done a fuck ton of stuff. Like, you would immediately recognize his work. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, well, that's, the, 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 your album artwork, I look at it, and like I said, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's happening there. But I, that's, that's what's right. interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird the kind of body horror collage sort of thing, but he, he was awesome to fucking work with. Um, he was, he was really, really into just like kind of getting into my head about like what I wanted and like kind of what the album was about contextually getting into lyrics and motivation, kind of some of the stories behind the stuff. And it was, yeah, it was just all in a hundred percent. And, um, yeah, we just kind of got to be buddies and he ended up coming to our show in Chicago because I think his parents would, Meeting Wisconsin or something, um, but yeah, yeah. So we ended up kicking it, and he's a fucking awesome dude. Well, that's awesome. I, I love the way that this all seems to be coming together for you, and all seems to have worked out. 
the way you tell it, right? The way and the way I listen to it, it sounds like it's been it's been pretty easy, like in a in a like in a good way. Like it's it's. And yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure I mean, that's not totally the case, right? There had to be a little bit of struggle with this, but it's, but I, but I like the way this is all ended up for you. You end up on this great label. You're working with this great artist. You found these band members after working on your own for so long. Yeah, you didn't get to do so much for the first two records, but now you've got two down already, and you're already working on a third. It almost feels like it, it, it allowed you to get ahead a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think so for sure. I mean, you know, by the time we record the next record. Black Magnet will have something like 34, 36 songs, you know, that we can play live, which is fucking cool. <laughs> and and, and uh, with being a band for, you know, at that point, maybe five, five, six years. But but really kind of going back to what you're saying, I mean, I've been trying to be in serious bands for the past, you know, fucking almost 20 years since I was like 15. So I've, I've definitely come across my struggles with just finding the right people, going on tour, you know, for bands breaking up, whatever. Um, so I feel like kind of when I started Black Magnet, I knew what to avoid pretty quickly and everything from like songwriting to like how I present myself, how about what, you know, actually paying for good art, paying for good, (laughs) good engineering, good recording quality, paying for fucking like, you know, like getting the top notch, the best I knew how to do and the best I could afford mixing that with also just heavily scrutinizing my own creativity and and motivation to do it. So I definitely had a lot of practice, but yeah, things have, things have gone aside from COVID shit. Things have gone about as good as I can hope. Well, that's fucking awesome, man. I don't think we've spoken enough about it, but I've, but I've listened to body prophecy a lot and I really like it. I enjoy it. Like I said, it feels, it feels more uh, intense than a hallucination scene. and And I like that about it. Sometimes when uh, when I listen to industrial music or goth music, I get I get a little bored or lost, and I don't feel that when I listen to this record, and uh, that's great. And it's I don't know I'm I'm excited for you that this is working out so well, and I'm glad that you've been able to take the time to talk to me about this. Uh, is there anything else we should yeah. touch on before we wrap this one up? Man, um, no, I just yeah, I just hope that, you know like we can do as much touring as possible. Yeah, we have this um, five day or like six. Six shows, West Coast thing coming up with Realize. Um, I think we're gonna do like five shows in Texas with Mutant, who is a fucking awesome solo artist, dark wave kind of kind of goth industrial artist. He's actually on tour with Author and Punisher in Europe right now. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, he's like main support for him, which is fucking awesome. Um, so I think we're gonna do like five shows with him. I think late July in Texas. That should be announced pretty soon. Sounds um, pretty hot. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fucking hot. I don't mind. Yeah. I guess you're used to that, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think we're going to try and record the new album in August. We'll see. We have kind of like, I don't know, we're talking to talking to a certain someone about co-producing it, which I can't really talk about yet, but we'll see if that pans out, depending on their schedule. And yeah, and then the album will come out, you know, in August, and um, hopefully we just get more tours after that i think in 2022 we'll be trying to tour a lot we finally got our fucking passports all of the our passports updated so yeah hopefully europe I don't know.
So there you have it. That was my conversation with James Hammontree of Black Magnet. I want to thank him again for taking the time to chat. The song you just heard was Divination Equipment. That's off of their last record, Hallucination Scene, available now on 20 Bucks Spin everywhere. I want to tell you about a lot more things, but I also don't. I want to keep uh, keep some suspense building with getting it out. A lot of cool things coming down the road here and... Uh, I want you to know about it, but when the time is right, okay? So let's end it then. Let's end this episode then. But first, I'm going to tell you to go follow me on Instagram at getting underscore it underscore out underscore podcast. And I want you to listen to this song by A Deer, A Horse. It's from their new album, Grind. It comes out today, April 8th, via Bitter Records. The song is also called Bitter, and I hope you enjoy it. It's very unique. Thank you for listening to this episode of Getting It Out Podcast. Bye-bye.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 